John, chapter 11, 38 through 40. Okay, I'm done for the morning. We're going to get out early. (laughs) Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stole lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. If you guys know me by now, I'm going to sneak that verse in. For he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Now you guys know by now that this is my favorite verse in the passage. And I've always kind of talked about it briefly. And I'm gonna that's when I I'm gonna get later on to the main passage in just a minute. But I was thinking about this. Oh, I, I wrote this note down. I might as well say it. Oh, by the way. I am legal to do this. For one, y'all aren't paying me very much today. For one, the pastor must have been desperate. I don't know which. Some of you may see these little white things. Some of you may not. The ones up front, what are they? Rabbits. I get to chase them because I have a whole bag of them. Um, I'm going to try not to, okay? I'm pretty strict on my, my, my notes, as you guys see. If I don't stick with it, I get mixed up. But the thing is, what we're going to see today, Mary and Martha did not fully understand Jesus that Jesus could or would raise Lazarus from the dead. Now, one thing the pastor did a few weeks ago on Mother's Day, a couple weeks ago, he dwelled on the women, which was wonderful, by the way. I'm going to take a little bit different thought process, not too much dwelling on them. But my question is, but did they lack faith or did they really not know what Jesus was trying to do? You often know that in the past, in the New Testament, Jesus was always saying, talking about the resurrection. You remember that? All the time. I'm going to raise this up in three days. This is going to happen in three days. But yet he purposely waited the fourth day on Lazarus. Now, was he testing them? I don't know. But you stop and think, what background did they have? They were just as new about this as everybody else. But back in those days, they thought if the if person was raised on the third day spiritually, then all their body and their soul would come together. So if they were on the fourth day, it was too late. But Jesus said, wait a minute, I'm going to teach you something different. Now, that's kind of, I'm not so much headed in the resurrection side, but I want you to think about the law and think about the word flesh. I'm going to talk about that more in, in just a minute. How those can contrast together, because what they were doing was thinking in the flesh. You think about that. I'm not saying it wasn't a bad thing, because what they were doing. But their beliefs of that day, they didn't have a really high choice of an idea or anything. Now, I, I, know, I labeled this the opposite. I'm going to have John bring the slide up in just a minute. Unless he already sneaked it in, which I don't see it. Good thing, because then I'd be messed up again. But what is an opposite? I, I labeled this opposite because it was just pretty cool. Uh, opposite's what? Something that's contrary, something that's different, something that's uh, so far apart you can't, you can't get it back in, or it's either black or white. Or if you fish with Fulbright, it's either a small fish or a large fish. No. I threw that in there because I just couldn't help myself. 
But think about that, because oftentimes we will be, we'll contradict ourselves, or we will think the opposite, or we may think we know what it says, but we will say the opposite. Because that's the direction I'm going to be heading this morning. And then I was looking at the scriptures. I thought, well, where am I going to go with this? I don't know which way to go. So Romans, for those who are wondering, I'm going to get, I'll have the verses up on the board in just a minute. But Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. I'll stick them up there in just a minute. But I want to read verse 2 to get us started. Therefore, there, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life sets me free from the law of sin and death. When I was looking back at the women in chapter 11, I was thinking, my goodness, what were they doing? Well, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They knew what the law said, right? They knew that they had to take, they were already taking care of the body of Lazarus. He was stone dead. He was starting to stinky. That's why she said that. They didn't have embalming in those days. They put spices on him, but he stunk. But he stunk because of his physicalness. But Jesus took that and made the spiritual side. That's the reason that's a favorite verse of mine. Because sometimes that's what we think. Or I'm not worthy, Lord, I stink. You know, I'm not worthy to do this because I may stink. Now, some of y'all take showers. That's a different one. We're not talking about shower stinky. We're talking about spiritual stinky. I hope you took showers. I'm sweating like a stuck pig up here, so we'll see what happens. But you think about this. Now, the connecting word, once again, is therefore. You've heard it mentioned several times. The therefore of one and two, and I'm going to go into the verses more elaborate in just a second. Refer back to verse 24 of chapter 7 in Romans. I want to make sure I say that correctly. Because he says, What wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Then he says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. There's several key words I'm going to be zeroing in on a few in throughout this. Mind and flesh. Now let's go back to the women in chapter, where are we at? John chapter 11. The mind. In their mind, this is what they were thinking. But I looked it up again. Mind and flesh are almost interchangeable. Correct? Because sometimes we, Paul refers to this when he says, I'm in the flesh, he's thinking about what he's thinking, what he's been taught. And that's going to be the relationship that we're going to look at in just a minute in Romans chapter 8, because he constantly refers to those two things continuously, the mind and the flesh. So think about that. The women were thinking in their minds or the flesh, not the physical aspects of the body but in what they were taught and what they were thinking, which is not a bad thing. That's what they were taught. And you guys probably know Jesus when he constantly talked about everything, nobody really fully understood. When did they, let me ask you this, when did they finally understand? When? After what? The resurrection. So we got to give them credit due. They didn't know it. They, you guys remember, hence, they didn't even think the resurrection was going to take place. What'd they do? 
the disciples went and hid somewhere else, and the, the women took care of everything. Praise God for that. By the way, it was the same batch of women. It was still the Marys and the Marthas and others. So there's going to be a connecting point between these two, the flesh and the mind. Now, let me show you. Uh, John, if you would put the opposites up there, please. I hope you can see those clearly. If you look at those up there, this I call these opposites because they're, they're the opposite. The law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus, versus the law of sin and death. Then what else? says? Then it says, the law weakened by the flesh, and then God sent his son to deal with sin. And then the flesh and the spirit. Then death versus life and peace. And then in the flesh or in the spirit. The last one, according to the flesh, according to the spirit, according to sin, and according to righteousness. You can see where Paul was alluding here in first 11 verses of chapter 8 of Romans. And, he, and, I, and I thought this was kind of neat because often he mentioned all through there the word flesh, according to the flesh, in the flesh, flesh versus the spirit. That's your thinking. That's your mind. What contrary to what the Spirit will do for you or what Jesus has done for you. So that's kind of the route I'm going to go this morning. I thought this was just really cool. And sometimes we're going to be, sometimes we may struggle with all of this. I'm going to look at my watch. I can't see it anyways. Oh, we got 35 more minutes. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Okay, I got a rabbit. There it is. But the thing is, when you think about this, the opposite I mentioned that is what we struggle with all the time. Are there other ones out there? Yes, there are. But Paul did an excellent job of summing those up. In other words, we're going to be warned or we're going to be against what we've been taught, what we know, versus what we know now in the Scriptures. One of the things that I did in my Sunday school class, I do this all the time, is I think about, you know, teachers. And I'm, I, I always ask Carrie the same question. You know, because teachers teach everything constantly, repeat, repeat, repeat. Remember those math problems. How many of y'all love that stuff, right? The, who was, oh, Justin's math teacher was um, Catherine Ralph. I remember that. And she would send homework, and I'm going, that's just weird. That's impossible. That's what I was thinking. Because I'm going, ah, you know, there's too much. But when you do math or English, all that stuff, you do repetition so that you may know how to do it later on. It's not any different than the Scripture. Paul, in his writings, as Paul know, and I told the class again this morning, he repeated himself over and over and over again. Because in they constantly said, therefore, referring back, or remember this. In Thessalonians, where we're at now, he says, remember what you've been taught. You've got to remember those things. And so... When I thought of this and I thought of the opposites, I thought, man, this is a good place to start. But usually, usually the word flesh generally means the human perspective. In other words, <coughs> our point of view. As you all may know that we have a point of view, and each one of us has a different point of view, and usually it depends on what you're doing. You've got a different point of view, right? I asked the question this morning because I've done this before. Why are there so many different denominations? Because we all have different point of views. We have a different, sometimes, maybe a different way to do worship. Each church may do it a little bit differently, but for the most part, they're all generally the same. 
We have different translations of the Bible. Is that correct? Yeah. How many different ones? I don't know. If I took a poll in this church this morning, it'd be over half a dozen. But yet when we get right down to it, what does the Word of God say? That's really the bottom line. And the words upon the screen, you know, it's going to be what we think or have been taught versus what God teaches us. All righty. Let's get busy. Now, I've got four points coming up. They're going to be short. That's a good thing. And I'm playing with my cord because I don't know what to do with it. Joel said, just leave it alone. That's what he told me earlier. I'm not listening. Oh, forget it. Romans chapter 8, 1 through 11. Um, there you go. John's ahead of me. Thank goodness. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in a sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Your, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Now, if you can kind of see those verses, you can actually see what I put up on the board. Um, point number one, if you would, John. Okay, there it is. No condemnation. I got a kick out of this because when you got... when you. I was going to put, I had my points are real long, so I shortened them. But look at that very first fact, verses 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ah, that is so good. Now, wait a minute. It says here, but you know, when, in order to have no condemnation, you've got to either what, believe in Christ or not believe in Christ. If you believe in Christ then there's no condemnation. Now, people say, wait a minute, we're going to be judged at the end. Well, yeah, I know that. But you're going to be judged for your works, not because you're, going to, you're not going to be condemned. But Paul said that you're going to be condemned. You're going to go away if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all there is. It's just one or the other, black and white. Um, John, would you bring the opposites back up, please? He's fast. <laughs> Thank you. I'd be lost without it. But you think about what I have written up on the board up there are the slides. You either have eternal life or not. There's, not. there's just one or the other. The thing is, 
you will not be condemned. You will not be condemned, and you cannot be condemned. That's what he's saying. And it says, we know the fact that Jesus paid for this with his own life, his resurrected life. And you guys know for a fact, if you mention the word resurrection, which a pastor does a lot, and most should, because the resurrection is what? That's what we live for. That's what the reason that we are born-again believers. That's who we are as Christians. If we didn't have, we've asked the class, my class several times, what if we didn't have it? What if we didn't have the resurrection of Christ? What would we be doing? I don't know. I, I did mention, and I don't know, it's probably not totally true, but I think we would still be doing animal sacrificing or something weird because there'd have to be some kind of a, as Joe Fulbright would normally say, there has to be the blood. There has to be that life that was given. Go back to way back at Moses' time in the book of Genesis. What did they do? They put, they killed a lamb, put the blood over the mantles. If there had not been that, they would have died too. So I don't know. I'm glad that Jesus did that for me and you. Now, we as human beings would have probably said, no, you don't need to do that. By the way, who said that, by the way? You remember who said that? No, Lord, you don't need to do that. Was that Peter? Was it Peter? Yeah. He said, no, Lord, I'll do this for you. What did Jesus say to him? No, you can't do that. That's paraphrased. Peter did a lot of other weird things too, as we know. But John 3.18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in is condemned already because he hasn't believed the name of the only Son of God. Romans 6.23, familiar passage again. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Look at that again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So praise God for that. Uh, John, point number two, please. The contrast between the life and the spirit and the life and the flesh. I put the spirit and life in the flesh. There's going to be a constant contrast between those two. It's going to be the flesh, which represents us, which represents our thinking, and God. How we think and what we do. Now, one thing we always battle, because Paul said it, and he says it in those other parts of the Romans 8, we're going to have that constant battle, aren't we? And what he said in Scripture at least three times, three times he mentioned the word flesh. There's going to be a constant battle. But you're saying, wait a minute, I'm a born-again believer. Well, guess what? You're still going to have that constant battle, aren't you? We've been redeemed by the blood, but we still live in the world. There's going to be that constant battle. There's going to be that original sin in Genesis, right? It's going to constantly mess us up. When do you first sin, by the way? Just throw it out there. When's your not? Can you think back when you first sinned? Take a wild guess. What's that? Well, yeah. Well, that's a little far, too far back, but you know, you're close. When you're born, what's the very first thing your kids do when they get old enough to do something? What do they do? Say no. They steal from the other kid. 
They, you tell them, don't get in that cupboard. Of course, nowadays you lock it where you can't even get in it as an adult. But you don't, because you don't want them getting stuff under the sink. Pots and pans, that's a good one, right? Or they, they fight against the brother or sister. They steal their toys when they get older, whatever it might be. You are sinning, technically, because you went against what the parents said not to do, right? So we have this constant sin battle going on our whole lives. But praise God, what the Scripture says, you don't have to worry about that. It's going to be taken care of. And so in verse 2 and 4, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And praise God for that. For what the law was powerless to do, that it was weakened by the spiritual nature. <coughs> God did this by sending His Son in the likeness of the sinful man to be a sin offering. I kind of went further than I wanted on those verses. That's okay. But you think about that. Romans 1 tells us we've been set free from the guilt of sin. Romans 2 says that we are free from the power of sin. Our nature now is not sin. You don't get up tomorrow morning or this morning. Maybe you did. I don't know. But your nature now as a born-again believer, and I hope you are, is not the sin, right? You didn't get up this morning and say, oh, by the way, I'm going to sin before I go to church. You know, I don't think all y'all thought that. <coughs> but yet our nature unfortunately sneaks in. And so this, if you would, John, go ahead and put the opposites back up there, please. Thank you. I'm just putting this up as a reminder. I can't see that one very well, but you look at that, what Paul is always trying to say here. You notice that he said, I mentioned earlier, weakened by the flesh, the flesh in the flesh, according to the flesh. He, he constantly, constantly. But then he's got some good stuff, doesn't he? What's that? We're from the law of sin and death. The son sent his son, the spirit, life and peace. That's the good stuff. We are free from sin and death, the freedom to live. One of the reasons it's so important to understand that you're free from bondage, penalty, and the guilt of sin, because now it increases your capacity through Jesus to love, to have joy, to experience peace, and enjoy life. I got this as a quote, but I don't know who said it. You get to experience it, peace and love and joy and happiness. Sin has no hold on us through the blood of Christ, as I mentioned earlier, but we still sin. Because our flesh is weak from the original sin of man, the creation of man. But think about what Jesus did for you and for me. We are weak apart from the law of Jesus, but yet the Holy Spirit is there to remind us our continued need of him. That's a, We got a good thing going. You remember the guys in the New Testament? They didn't have the Holy Spirit right off the bat, did they? They were being taught by Jesus, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to leave you a comforter. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go away but yet you get to have the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the Holy Spirit doesn't go away. It doesn't leave you. Some people think that. No, it don't. Now, you may fight against it every once in a while, but it doesn't go away. It's there every day to remind you. Just like the music this morning. I was thinking about that earlier, and I mentioned it. You guys in Sunday school class, you're getting part of my sermon notes all again. But I was thinking about the, the song. Sometimes you get a what? You get this song in your head. doesn't go away. You remember that one? I was looking at Linda when I said that. I don't know why. But I was thinking, you know, you, you get the song in your head all the time, don't you? I know she does. 
But it's the same way with the scriptures. You constantly read a verse over and over and over again. You may read it a second or third time and go, ooh, I understand it now. But guess what? You get to remember it again. Verse 3 and 4, once again, reminds us, once again, that through the blood of Jesus and his resurrection, we are alive and no longer in the flesh. The flesh is what we think and what we do. But yet, the sin offering. The law could not defeat death. It could only defeat sin. Only Jesus can defeat sin. And he did that through his work on the cross. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Once again, no condemnation. You're free isn't that neat? Jesus condemns sin. He wants the spirit to rule. He wants spirit to rule over the flesh. Once again, how we think and do. Oftentimes we get this backwards. Then the battle begins. Praise God for prayer and the scriptures to bring us back in line. But why did Jesus do that? To bring about righteousness. Hence, up on the screen, to bring about righteousness, to bring us into holiness, to make our lives more like Christ. And give us eternal life. Now, I don't, we've talked about eternal life. Sometimes we joke about it. We don't really know what it's going to be totally like. We know there's going to be, we have to think about all this stuff. You won't have arthritis. What's well, a good one, isn't it? You won't be blind as bats, you know? You won't have to wear readers or glass. Almost everybody in here has got glasses on. You got good eyesight right there. I, I can see him. He's got good eyeballs. <laughs> But you won't be wearing glasses. You won't be trying to focus on the screen. You won't be trying to do whatever you got to do. But think about all that. But that's just kind of a couple little things. I mean, we think, often think of it in a physical sense, but think of it in a spiritual sense. Uh, would you put uh, number three up there, please, John? Trying to please God in the flesh. Oh, my goodness gracious. Where is our mind set upon? What is your desire? What does the Spirit of God help us when our minds wander somewhere else? I cheated this morning. I showed my class my notes. I couldn't see them. But I, worked, I actually wrote the word rabbit in my notes. So, yeah, you can't see the little, little tiny little white thing up here. Uh, one, shit, these are pink. I just noticed I got pink feetsies. Okay, sorry. Hebrews 4, 6. Hey, you're going to want Daniel back next week. I guarantee this one. <laughs> and, without, <laughs> and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and his rewards those that earnestly seek him. To trust in Jesus, then the doors will be open to you. One of my favorite pictures I had as a kid, and it's in my, I think it's in the hope chest in our, in our bedroom, my grandmother gave it to me years ago. She gave all of us grandkids these little pictures, little tiny little metallic frames. I got the one with Jesus standing on the door and knocking. I've always relished that. But the thing is, we often see that as a picture of Jesus knocking on doors. But then what we don't see is when Jesus opens the doors. 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 9, 12 says, However, as it is written, what hath no eyes is seen, what ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. The thing is, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, those are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. As you guys know, the spirit searches things, even the deep things of God. For who knows 
a person's thought except the spirit that's within him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except what? Through the spirit of God. When we receive it, it's not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. You've often heard the terminology spiritual warfare. If you stop and think about it, John, would you go ahead and put those up again, please? That's spiritual warfare right there, right? I mean, think about this. Because Paul, is in these 11 verses, has laced all these out. But it reminds us that the battles are still there. It's good versus evil, right? Flesh versus the Spirit. Us versus the Spirit. How we think and do and, and act against the Spirit. But guess what? What did he say up there? You're going to be set free. You're going to be set free from that. Now, is we, are we set free from that now? Yes, we are. Do we like to grab onto it? Yes, we do. Remember years ago, Falls Creek? Years ago, some of you may remember, they used to have the wooden crosses up here. I've used the example before. They put the wooden crosses here from Falls Creek. And what was on those wooden crosses? What would they normally do? What? You can say it louder, please. Nail our sins up there. What do we often do after the service is over? Think about it. Not technically. We go up there and, oh, I don't want someone to see that one. I need to take that back. I want my sin back. I don't want my sin back. I got enough problems. <laughs> but think about that. God has done what? Sin versus righteousness. The flesh versus the spirit. According to the flesh, according to the spirit. Praise God for that. I don't have no idea where I'm at in my notes. That's okay. I'll just go on. Of course, those without Christ will suffer the consequences of their rejection of him. You go back and look at verse 6. I've jumped a little bit. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. But you can see that. Total peace through Jesus is a whole lot better than being condemned to life without him. Amen. I often use the example in my class because I, I love this example I do not want to have to be a charcoal briquette in hell. A charcoal briquette doesn't necessarily go away, does it? You often have those ones that don't burn when you're cooking your hot dogs. There's always hanging around. You go to the lake, you go to the little cooker, and there's always a bunch of little briquettes that are still hanging around in there. Well, think about that for eternity. Those things are going to stay forever. Look at verse 7 and 8. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You think about that. There's, you cannot please God if you reject him. You cannot please God if you accept, I guess it's the left side, the flesh. And then if you're on the left side, you won't even have a desire to please him at all. Now, the good news is, is everything on the right side of those little slash marks that I've been mentioning. That's the good news. Every bit of that. Every bit of that. Um, point number four. It says that Christians are empowered to live in the Spirit, as Paul's been saying. By the way, Paul said this throughout Romans and other writings too. You've been empowered to live by the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, guys. 
We are empowered to live by that. Yes, we're going to have a battle with the flesh. But yet we are empowered by God to not do that. And that continues. It never goes away. Because the Holy Spirit is given to each believer when they are born again. Every Christian has themselves a <coughs> principle higher and more powerful than the flesh. We are controlled by the Spirit because it lives in us. I was actually going to change this point to number, I was going to call it hope. Because it's kind of like part of that. Because we are living in the Spirit of God. We live by what He's taught us. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Wow. I wrote this note down. I don't know if it makes sense or not. It says we get to test and approve what God's will is. I just thought that was neat, the way that Paul finished that writing. The Spirit is very much alive. Your sins have been forgiven. You've become righteous in His eyes. That's the second, that's the other side of the slash mark. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 10. <clears throat> Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to his sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. You know, that's just really cool. It's really neat. He adopted us to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to good pleasure which he's purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the time reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. If you're a born-again believer, I've said that several times this morning, you were given new life. And we are honored to be with Jesus for eternity. I have this quote, and while I'm reading the quote, um, Jesse, you and your gang, come on up, please. <clears throat> I saw this earlier in the week. Clint Dawkins, a pastor, First Baptist of Tecumseh, writes a little thing every, every morning. Every morning I come across it, and I asked him if I could use this. <clears throat> he had said, he has won. This is something that's very important in warfare. Make sure that you are on God's side. God will con con command them to war against these nations and promise that he would be with them. When you're fighting for the right things, you can trust God to give you the victory. No enemy can stand against the power of God. And he has won. Promise to go ahead of you and stand with you in the battle. He has won. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against enemies to save you. Deuteronomy 20. Look at these again. This is us versus the Spirit. 
This is the flesh versus the spirit. This is what before you were Christian, after you're a Christian. Everything that Paul said in verses 1 through 11. I think this is so neat. Now, by the way, I didn't create, I didn't make this up. I found this. And it was just so good. I just couldn't pass it up. But if you are a born-again believer, praise God. If you are not a born-again believer, then make, make sure that you leave before today thinking about that. You can come speak to me and or a deacon. Or you can pray. Has the Spirit led you to Jesus? Has the Spirit put you the desire to honor Jesus? Is the Spirit leading you to be more like Jesus? Is the Spirit in your heart? Do you know who Jesus is? Have you given yourself to Jesus? I know that sounds a little bit redundant. One thing I'm real thankful for is Pastor Daniel does that every week. Because it's important. Now, I think most of you, he would say most of you are probably born-again believers today. But if not, then please come forward. You can talk to Jesus all by yourself. We can pray for you. Are you guys supposed to do this music thing now? I'm close? Okay, getting close. Just a second. One last point. Are you a member of a local church? I always like to say that. I recognize some faces out there, so I expect most of you are. Now, why do I want to join a church? You've probably asked that. Why do I need to be a part of a church? For one, you get to be a part of the bond and the fellowship of other believers. You get to be established and rooted in the community. It doesn't get you into heaven, no. But yet it gets it one step further that you can rely on other members, other members. And by the way, we're all family members. You become a family of believers. You can go to that family for prayer. You go to that family for help. You can go to the sewing circle on Thursdays. I was free. I chased a rabbit, didn't I? But yet the Lord God said, you know what? Everything is free. I've already paid for it. It's free.